0: John Chapman.
1: Welcome faithful to a victory Monday podcast. We have had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six six consecutive wins and we are here today let's jump into it we're going to be going over the grades for the offense and the defense i finished the entire offensive film breakdown um earlier this morning uh could not sleep very well i was just too too energetic uh, and so woke up with a smile on my face and just I, I wanted to jump into the film. Thankfully, it got loaded early. So finished the offensive breakdown, a little over an hour, half of film. First half's loaded on Patreon, second half is loading as we speak. That will be available probably around three o'clock today. Um, once it gets all finished, processed, and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll dive into the defensive side. But I wanted to jump on here and talk through a lot of different things. first off, uh just fresh off the in the, the press uh Dante Johnson um the Barnacle number 27 it, been with the 49ers forever. actually more games than Jimmy Ward uh, if you count all the injuries and all those things. Torres ACL, you know got called up from the practice squad, gets out there and uh, sadly, It sucks, man. Um, So that's probably the biggest injury update. Um, Also, got to talk about Javon Kinlaw. This morning, uh, Coach Shanahan said the plan is to activate Javon Kinlaw's practice window immediately after the Seattle game. So you're starting to see that. Now, does that mean Javon Kinlaw will play uh, right after that? Does not. Uh, What happens is you get a 21-day, three-week practice window to basically figure out if you want to bring him back or not. So, uh, that's what happens. So, even though you're bringing him back after the Seattle game, what's going to happen then is if if you just look at the schedule, right? How many games do we have left? We've got 4. You wait till after the Seattle Seahawks game. That's 21-day practice window. Guess what? Commanders, Raiders, Arizona. So, you would have the opportunity to make that decision for the playoffs if need be. Now, you could activate him at any point in that process, but my assumption would be they want to see if the knee will respond, right? They want to see if that's going to go down or not. Um, And so, again, I love Kinlaw. It would be huge to get him back. Vic says, would like to see Kinlaw finally and then in the playoffs, in the finale, then the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's kind of the M.O. The problem with Kinlaw has been, he comes back and he can play. You watch week one, week two, that dude can play. He may, He's a difference maker on the field, especially in the run game. Now, the 49ers haven't played a lot of very physical run teams, but that dude makes a difference. Makes a huge difference. So as somebody said, like, uh, even if he comes back, it doesn't make a big difference. He has a big good. I'm like, dude, you have not watched the film. Uh, you go back and, you know, again, if you're a Patreon member, you scroll back and you just type in 49ers versus Bears, you watch that game and tell me Ken Law didn't make a difference. That dude was all over the place. Uh, great, great versus the run. Uh, played incredible. Love all the hashtag CCs. And, yes, that that is probably the best news to come out of Coach Shanahan today. Ken Law back to practice next week. That's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, let's see here. Give me Ridgeway all, over Ken Law all day. Hope he heals up. Yeah, film would not support that claim. I do love Ridgeway. Um, very, very much, but and he's been great this year, but nowhere near on par for um what Ken Law does. uh but not to knock either one of them. I, I think they're both great run stuffers, but yeah there's there's a big difference. Ridgeway, he's good though he's he's played very well this year. It sucks uh, that he has been out. um so Dante Johnson, you know, back to him, torn ACL, he's well along in years. I would not be surprised if this is his last stint as a player. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a coach. I, I think they love this guy, and he's been around longer than anybody. So um, I really hope Dante Johnson kind of takes that transition into the coaching world. Um, and I want him around this locker room. Dude's just incredible. He knows everything, he knows all the in and outs, all those different things. So I uh, would really, really like to see that. Would really, really like to see that. And yeah, you know, talking about the, the injuries, another good thing. Shanahan said he expects Kerry Hyder to play this week. That's great news. Uh, Keem Spence, bringing him back. Ty McGill, you got him out there. Charles Minihue can play inside. It's patchwork. It's duct-taped work. There's no doubt about it. And you also have Barrett, um, who's been on the 49ers practice squad for three years now. Um, Alex Barrett, who's played outside, inside, inside pass rusher. He was a defensive end. They transitioned him. There's lots of options. Are they great options? Probably not. But once you get to this point, in the NFL season. We're at week 15 now. We're at week 15 on a short week, traveling against a division rival to play for the NFC West Championship. You got to get bodies. You got to get bodies. Boat says hashtag TWBEN. That's the Wayne Breezy Entertainment Network, baby, uh, which he's going to be with us very shortly. I fly out to Seattle tomorrow. I know we usually do the John and Wayne show at 1230, but I'll be in the air uh, flying out to Seattle to get ready for the party for Wednesday night and Thursday. We'll detail that later. Uh, Wayne's going to be there too. So if you are anywhere in the area, you got to come party with us. 49ersrushroadtrip.com. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um yeah, I love this Jay French he says this was the swan song for Dante Johnson transition now into coaching. I hope so. Um I really hope so. I, I really like Dante Johnson. Such a cool dude. Um just been through everything. Like the journey of an NFL journeyman. Dude has been on and off the 49ers forever. Uh the loyalty just incredible and the versatility just incredible. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um Let's see here. I would think Juan would see more play, uh, but who knows? Uh, Oh, Juan. Yeah, I I think—let's talk about the Debo issue, okay, and what that looks like because the film told a very clear story. When Debo went out, there's three different positions, wide receiver positions on the 49ers offense. Some people know them all, okay? There's the X, right? Um, which is your clearly defined number one wide receiver. That's Brandon Ayuk. So a lot of times the 49ers and most of the NFL do a three-by-one set where you have three eligibles, usually two wide receivers and a tight end, however you want to mix that up, or two wide receivers and CMC or two wide receivers and a fullback, whatever, and then one. The one is usually the X because if you put three on one side, you dictate you're going to get almost man coverage, almost always on the back side. That's the X. And Kyle Shanahan's definition of that position is somebody that can do everything, but most importantly, push vertically and be a threat for deep balls. That's Brandon. Ayuk. there's the Z uh, that's Debo. They do the, it's the traditional flanker role. Uh, If you're going to old school terminology, these are end arounds, reverse screens, usually line up inside, whatever else. Versatility is key there. Right. And then you have the Y, which is usually your tight end move piece. That's George Kittle. Um, And again, if you want to go, you know, with, you know, three wide receiver, true wide receiver set, that's where Juwan Jennings comes in. Now, when Debo went out, Ray-Ray McLeod came in. He basically ran the exact same situation. If you look at, there were 63 offensive snaps uh, for the 49ers against the Bucks. Ray-Ray McLeod played 28. Debo Samuel played 27. Whenever he came out, Ray-Ray came in. And so he is the one that I suspect being that guy. If you look at Juwan Jennings, he got 22 snaps. So if you're just looking at the coaching tree and or the depth chart, you've got Ayuk with Danny Gray backing him up. You've got Debo with Ray Ray backing him up. And then you have Juwan Jennings as the clearly defined number three, but he would also be the emergency for both other positions. It is difficult for Juwan with his lack of speed to be that deep threat, but he knows all of the routes. So those are kind of the, the spots you're looking for. Um, and then obviously you've got guys that you could call up, uh, you know, whatever else we'll see that. Tay Martin's been really, really big. Um, you've got a whole bunch of different veterans that have been cycled through the practice squad as well. So we'll see what happens there. Um, And, yeah, you know, I I don't think that this means – I love that Danny Gray got his first catch, and I think David predicted that. Um, And David's been real big on Danny Gray watch all year. I'm not so sure that this means more snaps for Danny Gray. He only got 13 snaps. Again, Gray plays more of the X role. He's the vertical threat. But doesn't mean you couldn't put him over there. doesn't mean you couldn't. I I think that – it could be a little bit more snaps, but not too much. I think it's way more snaps for Ray Ray, little bit more snaps for Jawan, little bit more snaps for Danny Gray. And again, I said this after the show, if I was in charge, I'd be putting CMC in Debo's spot much more so. So I would have CMC as my number one running back. I'd be getting Jordan Mason much more work and putting CMC out there in the Debo role. That's what I would do. Um, and you know, I keep getting the OBJ questions. That dude, he's not going to be healthy until the playoffs. Um, I don't want him in this locker room. I really, really don't. Uh, I the same reason why I don't want Baker. I want good teammates, people that will sacrifice. Why mess it up? Um, is he good? Is he talented enough? Hell yes. But you come out and say, Why should I? I, I I'm just going to play for the playoffs. why should I play? It doesn't even matter beforehand. Oh, uh, get that crap out of here. That's not my mentality. Hell of a player. Hell of a player, but I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Uh, that, that's just my take on it. Now, let's talk about – oh, Randy, he's coming in here. Two 30-plus-yard passes from Brock. Uh, I missed that. Yeah, and that's outside the numbers. Outside the numbers, deep balls, both for touchdowns. That's what's incredible. So let's look at these pro football focus grades. Again, take these with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, take these uh, with, with a grain of salt. First off, Trent Williams, number one, highest-graded player, 84.7. Jordan Mason, three consecutive weeks in the top five. He comes in number two. He only got 19 snaps, but he got 11 carries on those 19 snaps. I agree with everybody. Pump those numbers up, baby. I want Jordan Mason 15-plus touches every game moving forward. Like, that should be his role. And, man, just continues. He doesn't have negative plays, and he's running against loaded boxes, just nonstop. Uh, which it, it's it's such a big deal. You know what? I just found something out. Um, man, I'm looking at the box score. Okay, let's pause for the grades for a sec because I think this is probably the most encapsulating stat that tells the story of yesterday's performance of the 49ers versus the Bucks. The 49ers ran the ball 36 times, which is awesome. You're going to win the game when you run for 36 times, uh, 209 yards, 5.8 yards per rush with three rushing touchdowns, that's incredible. To put that into perspective, complimentary football, right? The 49ers offense, if they can run the ball like this, they're going to beat everybody they play. Now, flip this over to the defense. Tom Brady threw 55 passes for 253 yards. That is an average per pass attempt of 4.6 yards. The 49ers, listen to this, and I, I hope I'm not worth salading this up. The 49ers average more yards per rush than Tom Brady and the Bucks average per pass. That does not happen often. Um that is a testament to the 49ers defense and the 49ers running game. That's bananas. Um, and just kind of, you know, again, I feel like that would have been better served as a tweet. But the fact that the 49ers averaged more per rushing attempt than the Bucks did per passing attempt, that's crazy. Now let's flip that on its head, okay? The Bucks rushing attack, they ran 19 times for 69 yards. Nice. Um, 3.6 yards per rush attempt. What did the 49ers do through the air? 23 pass attempts, 195 yards, 8.5 yards per pass attempt. So 3.6 for the Bucks rush, 8.5 for 49ers pass. for 49ers rush. Oh, look at that. 49ers rush should trademark that Um, 4.6 for the bucks pass. That tells you the story. That tells you the story of the game right there. That's not even messing with turnovers. That's not doing all that. It's explosive consistency in the run game. Oh, Oh, Oh man. That is huge. I, I, I love that. I love that. Now, Uh, Back to the greats, Mike McGlinchey, which we just finished the film. I didn't think he had a bad game. Uh, Was it a great game? No. He finished with a 75.2, third highest rated player. He got some of those key runs. If you go to the Debo touchdown run, that was Mike McGlinchey. Got the key block to, like, and that's what we've been missing, right? Because we've been getting the bloopers, but we haven't been getting the key blocks to spring the plays open. We got that. And so if Mike can continue to play that way, man, that was awesome. He played really, really well. Um, fourth, Brandon Ayuk. Fifth, Jake Brindle. Again, Jake Brindle. Turned in back-to-back solid performances. He had some major misses. There's no doubt about it. But played consistent. Danny Gray, 13 snaps, finished sixth. McCaffrey, seven, Brock Purdy, eight, Debo, ninth. Aaron Banks, tenth. Um, just solid. All good grades, too. You go to the worst-performing. Offensive players, Spencer Burford, dead last with a 39.5. But, man, he had some key blocks in there. Tyler Croft, 42.7. Jawan Jennings, 49.5. Kyle Juszczyk, he had a lot of misses, 51.3. So you can kind of see where they fit. But uh, overall, just on a scoring perspective of the offense, man, really thought it it cleaned up nicely. And I, I really, I didn't feel like there were a lot of bad performances out there. The run game dominated. Brock Purdy dominated. But if you look at the run game, missed tackles force. Debo had three in the rushing attack. Christian McCaffrey had three in the rushing attack. Jordan Mason had two. That's eight missed tackles. A, one of the keys that we talked about in our preview episode was, man, the Bucks will miss a lot of tackles. And we made them pay for it. Debo had one 10-plus yard rush. Christian McCaffrey had five. That's incredible out of 14 rush attempts. Five, one out of every three, went for 10-plus yards. And Jordan Mason had three. Three out of 11. I mean, you're just getting some very, very weird numbers from the rushing attack. It's been really, really good. And in a game where there were zero sacks on opposing sides, nobody got sacked. Well, the Tom Brady Bosa play should have been a sack. I'll I'll just be really honest with you. We kind of got screwed on that one. Um, But... It's just, it's just what it is. It, it, it frustrates me because, mm. should have been there, should have been there. Um, now, th- there was just a lot. You know, Christian McCaffrey was asked about this after the game. Uh, just that stats don't tell the whole story. And he kind of alluded to not only himself, but Jordan Mason and why that's such a big deal.
2: Some games are, are always better than others when it comes to the run game. I think just because it's not a statistically good run game all the time, it doesn't mean you're not running the ball efficiently. And I think, um, you know, speaking for today, those guys were unbelievable up front. And and like I said, it's the O-line. It's all five of those guys communicating, getting to the right calls. Uh, it's also the tight ends and fullbacks, and they play a big part in this run game. And um and then you know calling the right the right plays is a huge deal in this league so getting to the right runs knowing which ones were blocking well you know depending on what they're doing and then um executing you know you watch a guy like Jordan Mason too the way he runs um it's inspiring to all of us makes me want to be better uh break tackles and keep moving forward and those explosives will come
1: talking about how Jordan Mason Jordan Mason is inspiring to Christian McCaffrey, this is a unique locker room, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is a unique locker room, and I freaking love it. Um, and, yeah, Josh, didn't uh, Jackson get another tip? He sure as hell did. Let me see here. I, I'm going to look this up kind of live on air. I apologize about this. Um, but I want to see – let me put everybody in this on Pro Football Focus. I can do this. I'm, I'm Okay, batted passes. Here we go. Drake Jackson has five batted passes on the year. Where does that rank amongst the NFL? Third. He was fifth. Now he is third in the NFL. George Karloftis um, with 585 snaps. Then you got Zach Allen um, with 628 snaps. And then you've got Drake Jackson, 284 snaps. Less than half, if my math serves correctly. He's been playing really, really well. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Drake Jackson just continues to play well, and it's in a very limited kind of role. So let, let's let's switch it over to defense. Drake Jackson got 25 snaps. I'm happy with that. At a possible 76. That's a lot of plays. It's a lot of plays because they kept throwing the ball. Um and we we were having, you know, lots of touchdowns, which was crazy. And so, man, yeah, hands up on the defense. If you can't get the pass rush. Randy says, "Get those hands up, man!" And the athleticism and the timing that we continue to see from Drake Jackson, man, it, it's just it, it's the sky's the limit for that kid. <laughs> Wait till Jackson learns how to rush the quarterback. Did he get any pressures? He got one pressure. He got one hurry. One batted ball. Had one assisted tackle. Not a bad performance at all. Graded, you know, kind of in the middle of the great middle package. He had a sixty-three point two grade, but. That's not a bad score. Now, if we look at the top, and I want to spend some time here, shout out to Aziz Al Shire, baby. Put the chokehold on the GOAT. Um, Love it. Absolutely freaking love it. Literally grabbed the dude by the throat. And it was weird because, you know, Aziz blitzed on two plays on the opening drive. And I was like, dude, I have never seen Aziz blitz so I went back and looked at the stats he had four pass rushes all year this year and sure enough you know D'Amico goes out there and breaks some tendencies and sends Aziz in on back-to-back blitzes and he made both plays didn't blitz him again after that but Aziz only played 11 snaps and I said this in the preview show too Bucks can't run the ball I'm gonna stay a nickel almost the whole game And that's exactly what they did. Aziz got 11 snaps. Jimmy Ward got 70. Yeah, figure that out. So Aziz got 11. Jimmy Ward got 70. And I thought Jimmy Ward, he was one of my defensive players of the game. Let's just talk about what Jimmy Ward did. Okay. Played 70 snaps, which is crazy. He had a 94.7 run defense grade. Okay. What does that mean? Anything over 90 is elite. 95 is like, mvp level grade nobody else on the 49ers had above a 78 grade he had a 94.7 he had one blitz he had one pressure he had eight tackles one missed tackle four solo run stops one forced fumbles jimmy ward now this is the craziest stat of all do you know how many times they threw the ball at jimmy ward can you guys guess, can y'all throw this in the chat? How many targets do you think with Jimmy Ward's way without looking, throw this number in there, whatever your number is, you're probably too low. How many times did Tom Brady try throwing the ball at Jimmy Ward? Because, and again, keep in mind, Jimmy Ward had two incomplete passes forced before this game his entire year. I think it was like 28 for 30 or something like that. Right. All year. Well, guess what? They targeted Jimmy Ward 17 times. They were going after this guy wherever he was, whether, and he, he kind of, it was against everybody. Because here, let me pull this up because I want to be exact on this. The coverage matchups for Jimmy Ward. Listen to this. Uh, He had to cover everybody. Two targets from Mike Evans, one from Russell Gage, three from Leonard Fournette, one from, Julio Jones, one from Rashad White, seven from Chris Godwin, two from Cameron Brait. The dude had to, he literally, their entire game plan was, we are going to throw the ball at Jimmy Ward. Of those 17 targets, he allowed 10 catches. Seven incomplete passes when targeting him. He only had two all year. Dude showed up, man. He played really, really well. I, I really thought Jimmy Ward played great football inspired football um and again remember yeah they were throwing the ball they threw 55 pass attempts so it was a lot so I really thought Jimmy Ward played great Aziz 11 snaps played great number two Defender let's spend some time let's spend some time Dre Greenlaw passed a hundred total tackles on the year and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna let Fred talk because he he's he he knows what's up Not only, you know, Drake Greenlaw's a tackler. We've been talking about this. Second consecutive week. Second consecutive week. Drake Greenlaw had the best pass coverage grade for any 49ers. Listen to Fred talk about how great he is.
3: Yeah, I mean, we knew it was kind of going to be a chess match with him, and we knew that he gets the ball out quick, and that's why it was tough to uh, to get home on him. But just playing everything deep to short, and there was some long drives in there where – you know they're dinking and dunking us down the field and I still think that even that that touchdown that they had we still could have stopped them right there but it honestly it was just resilience all the way through like guys coming up making tackles like every single time I'm 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 deep running the pain I'm seeing like you know he checks it down and all I see is Drake Greenlaw Drake Greenlaw like you know I think he's playing at such a high level and he's, he's probably not getting talked about enough the the type of um the type of ball that he's playing this year, you know, the way that people talk about me, I think they need to talk about him in the same, in the same way. I know, I know what high level linebacker play looks like, and he's doing it, you know? So for anybody out there, like think about Pro Bowl votes and stuff like that, like he needs to be in that conversation.
1: We, we've been on the whole Drake Greenlaw conversation for a while. And it's just, gosh, man, it's, it's It's unbelievable what he's doing and pick your poison. You want to talk about the run game and how great he is there. That's worth a conversation in of itself. You want to talk what he's doing in pass coverage and back to back weeks, dude, that's a whole conversation there. And it's just consistency. You know, after the game in one of the press conferences, I forgot who I, 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 it was one of the mats asked, do you know how many tackles you had this game? And he responded, no, I don't know, off the top of my head. And they told him, you had 15 tackles. Here was his response. I feel
4: like it. I feel like it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got tired of them dang check downs. And I wanted to get on them earlier, but my coach was like, stay back. Stay back. And they, they threw one over my head earlier. So it was just I had to stay back and let him catch it and, and and get the tackle. But, yeah, no, I feel him. I was getting tired of him. Like, we need to play some man or something, yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I mean, just how like authentic, you know, and yeah, Big Papa, love hearing players compliment their teammates. It's, it's unreal. The dude's over a hundred tackles. He's over a hundred tackles last week. It's the fumble. Return for a touchdown this week. He talked about it too on KMBR. I'm going to get me a Brady ball. I'm going to intercept Tom Brady. I'm going to intercept Tom Brady. And guess what? One of the freak plays, tips it up to himself, jumps once, jumps twice, catches it, comes down with it. Uh, shout out to Rob Louder. Called it the Mario jump, which I thought just nailed it. Um, it yeah, like I can't unsee it now. Like boing, boing. Uh, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. And then after that, so not only do you intercept Tom Brady, not only do you destroy Tom Tom brady in his homecoming and bought 150 tickets all those things whatever not only do you beat them so bad that fox changed the national broadcast in the third quarter away from it because they don't want tom brady to get embarrassed too precious for the nfl my man drake greenlaw has the audacity to go up to tom brady after he just got destroyed and ask for an autograph
4: man the worst thing he could tell me is no so i mean you know i was always told if you don't ask you'll never know so i mean he, he's a good guy to be able to sign that ball out there he didn't do them picks like that's big time so i mean i appreciate him. he's the greatest he's the greatest he's a goat so i appreciate that how did you approach him and what did he say to you yeah i went like a little fan i went like a little fan girl you know i tried to Gotta you know, soothe them up, make him feel better. So I was like, man, yeah, you the greatest ever, man, you know, all that good stuff. But he is, he is. But I mean, you know, and he he was like, Yeah, I appreciate it, man, good job and stuff. And I was like, man, you ain't gotta sign the balls, you know. I just cause I knew he looked like he was going through a lot. So I was like, man, you ain't gotta sign the balls. And then Fred come over there. Fred's like, You get the balls, sir, And I'm just like, Yeah, man, now nah, you gotta sign these balls. And he signed them, so I mean it was it was cool, man. Yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> how, how? And if you if you're not watching this, he is doing the interview holding the ball that Tom Brady signed. Like he literally called himself a little fan girl. Like how awesome! Like there's football is beautiful in in and of itself, and you see the play, and you know. But once you get to know these players and you see their personalities and who they are, and just how humble this guy is, that. You're going to walk up to this guy that you just played against and ask for his autograph? Like, that's – it's just – it's it's different. And then he chickens out kind of, and Fred just says, hell no, man, did you get that? Like, <laughs> Fred pressured, like, dude, you got to go get that autograph. Uh, I mean, it's just – it's beyond comical to, to just kind of see – their personalities come out. Um, And I I freaking love it. And, you know, not only do you have the best players on the field at the linebacker position if you're the 49ers, you've got two freaking comical dudes. And I'll say this, like, okay, you know, we had Fred Warner out for our draft party in Vegas last year. You know, he came out, we ponied up the money, we got him out. That dude, like, it makes sense whenever you, like, he's out there saying, did you get those autographs? Because, you know, you work with these agents and these players and stuff and you negotiate like, OK, we'll sign pictures only. We won't we're not allowed to do whatever else. There are certain players and Fred's one of them. Fans first. That dude, he signed everything for anybody, including my son. And after he was finished signing everybody's stuff and the time allotment that, you know, we quote unquote paid for, he goes, hey, man, can I hang around? I was like, hell, yes, you can hang around Fred Warner. You're more than welcome to. And so, he hung out, he did like the raffles with us, and I all the get like, dude, is just on point. He didn't like he fulfilled every contractual obligation and then some, and just like was with the fans and with the community. And so, I'll be honest with you, not all players like that. I can tell you from firsthand experience, that's not it. Some people are in it just for the paycheck, and that's not a bad thing, it's their profession. I understand that. But whenever you see somebody that is willing to go the extra mile for fans and for the community, but then also like, oh, that's Tom Brady. I don't care. Did he sign your ball? Like making sure Drake Greenlaw got what he wanted. It's on both sides. You know what I'm talking about? It's on both sides. And that's one of the things that's just refreshing um about linebacker one linebacker one now um Chris asked this question he says will Jack Rabbit get called up with Johnson and Womack out uh Womack got a concussion I, I assume it's at some point on special teams I didn't see it uh he's going to be out I've said several times if you watch our special teams breakdowns on patreon Womack deserves to be in the pro Bowl for a special teams player he's been the Uh, special teams MVP um, this year for the 49ers. Him, then Mitch Wisnowski would be number two. Um, No doubt about it. So who gets called up? Me personally, I want Quantrez Knight called up. That's who I want. I want young, energetic, youth, somebody that's going to mean something to. Jack Rabbit's more of a veteran. And again, what are you doing? Are you calling up for cornerback play? Or are you calling up for special teams play? I want Quantrez Knight. That's who I would call it personally. But, again, you guys know me. I'm the biggest Quantrez Knight fan there is. I've been – since that dude showed up day one, uh, I love that dude's attitude and playmaking ability. Now, will Jack Rabbit – does he want to come up and play special teams? This is the same guy that didn't want to sign on a practice squad because he thought, you know, he's going to hold out for a roster spot. No roster spot ever came, so then he settled. So I don't know. Um, Is he past that? Yeah, there we go, Quantrez. That's who I want. Um, You know, I I want youth. I want energy. I want fight. I want all those things. Now, I'm not saying Jack Rabbit doesn't have those, but I think that you, you brought in him because of corner play, veteran corner play. So, and yeah, again, Daniel Wells, speaking of special teams, Ray Ray's returns have been consistently good. Yes, they have. He was my special teams player of the week this week. Uh, I thought he played wonderfully well, wonderful well. So um, let's see here. Eggie saw this question on different Niners podcast. Now that Debo is out, will the 49ers go back to the pre-CMC era? I don't think so. Uh, You know, you look at when Debo went out, they still continued scoring. Uh, There's a lot of variables in that, no doubt about it. And if you look at this week's matchup, you you know, moving forward, you're playing against the Seattle Seahawks, okay? What are the Seattle Seahawks? they're the 30th ranked defense. They give up the 28th out of 32 teams yards per run. They allow 4.9 yards per rush. They've given up the second worst rush attempts, second worst rushing yards, third worst rushing touchdowns. Listen to this this defense and what they've allowed running the ball. The Panthers beat them this week 30 to 24. They rush for 223 yards. They rush for more yards the Panthers did, than we did on the Bucs, and we rushed for 200. 171 to the Rams, who are one of the worst rushing te- uh, teams in the NFL. 283 from the Raiders. 161 from the Bucks. The Bucks rushed for 161 against this team. 122 from the Cardinals. And if you go back all the way back to week two, which they're both different teams now, injuries, whatever else, the 49ers rushed for 189 yards against them. Debo is elite, amazing. I love him. I miss him already. I can't wait for him to come back, and I do expect him to come back in the playoffs. You need to run the damn ball against this team. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Uh, the worst rushing team, maybe the worst defense. Now, it's Seattle, and you're going up there and all those things and whatever else. And, and like, that's a legit question. But no, this offense. Did you know that you can now win up to 100? Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit matchup up to $100 over on Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You've got Seattle Commanders, great defense. Raiders, terrible defense. Cardinals, are you kidding me? You've got three out of four matchups against bad defenses. Now, the Bucs were a good defense, and you shredded the hell out of them. Well, you had 400 total yards, 35 points. Yeah, that's good. And if you look at this 49ers offense, you know, I went digging back-to-back games with 30-plus points. 35 versus Bucks, 33 versus the Dolphins. I was like, ah, oh, I wonder when the last time that was. Hasn't happened yet this year. You had to go back. So it's been over a full season. Um, you had to go back to weeks 11, 12, and 13. And that was against the Rams, Jags, Vikings last year. That, and you, they did it three times in a row uh, last season, 30 plus points three times in a row. Um, can they match that? We'll see. Because, you know, they've only scored over 30. They did against the Rams in week eight. They did it against the Panthers in Week Five. That's it, um, and the Cardinals in Mexico Week Eleven. So that's what five games over thirty points this year. So five out of thirteen. You've done it back to back times. Let's see what this offense can do. You know, I, I want to see. I want to see more Mason. Right? It's it's the <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> I'm a member of the Blue Oyster Cult. Call me Will Ferrell. I need more Cowbell. Need more cowbell. Where's Kevin? Like, like that's what it is. Where's Christopher Walken coming in? I got a fever, baby. I got a fever. Give me more Bell. Now, Jordan Mason finished with 11 carries. He's averaged over – what's he at on the season? I'm curious what this looks like. Jordan Mason has 29 carries, 100 – oh, no, wait. Yeah, 29 carries, 153 yards. He's averaged 5.3 yards per carry. But keep in mind, when is Jordan Mason getting the ball in all three or four of his games that he's you know been running the ball? It's a closeout time. We've won six in a row. Six. He's running against loaded boxes when the opposing team knows we're trying to run the clock out. And he's still averaging 5.3. How many carries is too much? Let me ask you guys this. I want I want to see your thoughts in, in the chat. How many carries per game do you want Jordan Mason to get? Okay, throw it in there. How many rush attempts should he be getting a game? Because, you know, it's slowly creeping up. He had five, then he had 10, now he had 11. Is that where he should be? Yeah, I love the cowboy. Look at that. Got to have more cowbell. Thank you, Randy. I love it, man. Uh, I know we're aging ourselves. I got a fever. Yeah, I'm seeing 15, Will, 15, Randy, 15. Uh, I love this. Klarzard, 18, 15. I, I think that's where it should be. Now, and again, uh, for those of you that are still getting your comments in, keep it coming. Yeah, Mason time, 15 to 20. 5 to 10 for a regular season game says Boats. Uh, Shot J says, I want JP to have at least 12 JP. That's what they call him. He goes by JP. His name's Jordan Mason. I assume his middle name's probably starts with a P or something. But, yeah, JP is what the coaches and teammates call him. Um Josh says, sadly, only got 11 because of garbage time. But we were doing the, uh, we, the 49ers were doing the same thing with Elijah Mitchell. You remember? He got no touches the first half. It was CMC, CMC, CMC. Second half comes out really halfway through the second quarter. Then it was Elijah Mitchell time. Exact same thing happened this week. People got upset because of the Debo injury, but Debo had four rush attempts. That's it. Um, And, yeah, let's talk about this. I think this is important. With Debo's injury, uh, will we see more gray now? Again, we talked about this earlier. I don't think more gray. I think more Ray Ray. Um, Gray snaps might go up some. But Debo's game wasn't really field stretcher, which is really what Danny Gray brings right now at this moment in his career, like he's a vertical threat only deep. Uh, Danny Gray backs up by He backs up by um, <laughs> See more butts in the house. I'd love it. Appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about the Debo injury and I hope he comes back. I finished the film this morning. Guess what guys? I hate to tell you this wasn't a run up the middle. That was an outside zone play where Debo read it correctly. And this is the outside zone cut back towards one defender, got held up, and tried fighting for more yards. So, like, you know, Jerry Rice and all that look Jerry Rice, come on, man. Like, I, I got the – look at this. That's Jerry Rice, like, that's the birthplace of my fandom over there. Like, I-, I ain't trying to throw shade on Jerry. But, you know, he said you got to stop running these players up the middle. You got Jimmy G hurt. You got Trey Lance hurt. Now you got Debo hurt. One, let's be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get hurt running up the middle. Two, neither did Debo Samuel. That was an outside zone run play in a spread formation. We weren't even in the I formation. He read it correct and hit the cutback. But, man, injuries are going to happen. Um, injuries are going to happen. Sean, I, I like Sean. I like Sean a lot. Appreciate it, man. He says, John, your opinion. Should we rest key players if we secure the third seed, or should we push for the second uh, seed? You push for number two. Oh, I push for number two so hard. <laughs> um. Because, yeah, that's huge. Because what happens is, let's just play this out. One, if you get that number two seed, you are guaranteed not one but two home games. That is important. Um, now, if you flesh that out again, let's say you finish as a three seed, which the 49ers are currently. Remember, first seed gets a bye. Okay? Only one seed gets it. So, if you get that three seed, and let's say the Vikings... Keep the two seed. Whatever else, the difference would be at the divisional round, not the wild card. The first round, the divisional round, you would travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings, which I'm not really scared about. But I would much rather have the Vikings come to Santa Clara. Does that make sense? That that would be the big difference. And so that's what I would want because the NFL reseeds in the playoffs. A lot of people forget that. And so this guarantees you, if you get that two seed, guarantees you two home games if you t- if you win. But let's just say hypothetically, you know, um, we beat the one seed last year, by the way. So it's not like I'm afraid of them. Um, Both one seeds lost in the divisional round last year. The, uh, The we beat the Packers and the Titans lost as well. They were both got the buys. They both lost at home in the divisional round. But if that happens again, then you're hosting the NFC championship game which would be against like a wild card round or maybe the Bucks again, which, oh man, that would be so freaking sweet. So yeah, no, you fight for that second seed because that gets you that home game, which when the playoff stretch starts traveling around a lot is hard. We did it last year, but probably one of the rarest things in the Kyle Shanahan era is the fact that he has four road playoff games in three years. If you look at 2019, you look at 2021, that's rare. That is crazy, crazy rare. Road playoff games are one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. Like, you look at metrics and whatever else, like, it's a lot. Now, I wish I could, you know, quickly, uh, let's see here. I, I'm going to try this. Most road playoff wins current NFL coaches? Let's see what that looks like. Uh, let's see here. Nope, that's not what we want. I want playoff wins. Most road. Come on, man. It's not working anyway. I, I was really hoping because it, it's so freaking rare and it didn't pull up. So if somebody else can uh help me with that quickly, I, I think it tells an interesting story. I got some homework to do now. Um it, it's 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 hard to do. So you want to alleviate all of those, you know, issues and you want to kind of take care of and figure that out. Now, if you just look at like the standings and how the 49ers have been at home, man, they're six and one at home. They're three and three on the road, six and one at home, three and three on the road. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but you're six and one at home. It's you get to see your family. You get a, you know, tuck your kid. You can take your kid to school. You get to eat, you know, good food at home and rest in your bed. It matters. As somebody who's traveled way too much this year, I can tell you, man, traveling takes it out on you, which I'm flying out tomorrow and I'm excited. Um, and if you guys have not yet, man, y'all got to come party with us or let other people know that you know are going to the game. This is the biggest game of the year. Wednesday night, we're going to be at Kell's Irish Pub in Seattle. Pike's Place Market, this is a 49ers bar. We're going to be partying with the locals, the Seattle Faith River Chapper. Completely free. Just show up. It's going to be awesome. Um, then Thursday, we've got our entire tailgate. It's going to be cold outside during the game. So we got us indoors right across the street from the stadium at Tony T Sports Lounge. It's right there on 1st Avenue South, uh, right by the stadium. Food, drinks, raffles, all that stuff. Get your tickets, 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. We've got our Vegas stuff up as well if you want to party with us there. Uh, The bowl games are going to be on Saturday, New Year's Day. We're going to be watching the playoff games together, partying with the faithful during the day from 1 to 4. Then we got the tailgate uh, going on there. Um and yeah, I I I I think this is a big deal. Um, Shanahan still has PTSD for blowing big big leads. I want to one, we got this clip. Compliments of the wonderful Juan Solis, uh, who is just about as good as they get. He worked really, really hard. The question was asked was the three to twenty-eight score on his mind? And then I want to get to the second part of this question, FEMA. That's not being a
2: jerk. that's just a fact. Um yeah, any, any time that you're up a lot, you go back to any scars that you have. Um, so I do the math a lot. I know um, he came back on us when we were up 25 going into the fourth. Um, I also know versus Detroit week one last year, we were up 41 to 17 with a minute 58 left. And they had the ball 41 to 33 with 20 seconds left on the 25-yard line going into score um so i always do the math right to that to feel fully comfortable um i thought the the 41 17 one was kind of an anomaly um but i definitely didn't feel good with brady um i mean i saw him do it to the rams last year too or two years ago in the playoffs no that was last year so you always got to be careful with him
1: and so like and i got this a lot like you know, he, he goes on, the question says this, 49ers could be up 40 points, and Shanahan is still visibly nervous about securing the win. Yeah, I'd have PTSD too. Um, it's very clear. Like, he told you the minutes, he told you the scores. Like, yeah, he thinks about it all the time. But he still pulled all of his starters, or at least as many as you can with the 47-man you know man roster on game days. But he got them all out on offense and defense. You know, now, the craziest thing to me was... Tom Brady played the whole damn game. The entire starting roster for the Bucs were not pulled. Down 35 to 7 with a minute left in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady's still out there. Still out there. That's crazy to me. Um, yeah. And, you know, that Detroit game last year, you remember he pulled the starters. They came back, fumble, missed uh onside kick, all that stuff. And it was it was a one possession game. You got to win those games. Um, and, yeah, Brady should have been pulled, but Brady makes the decisions. He had a coach that stood up to him, and he got him fired. Another reason why I do not want him here. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the report where the night before a game, Brady will have all the skilled position players come to his room and will make adjustments to plays, audibles, alignments, where he wants people on certain plays, and the coaching staff – does not know about it, like you're not allowed to because of all the rules with meeting time and, you know, whatever else. The coaches find out about it live on game day with certain plays, not knowing how – I didn't know Tom made that adjustment. So they'll call plays. Tom Brady basically changes them, and the coaching staff doesn't even know. Uh, he's the GOAT. I get it. I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing with that. Nah, I'm good. He's great. He's a great player. Um I know he wants to come here. Nope, I'm good. I'm good, and and I was good before Brock Purdy went ham. I've been very consistent about this. Um, That's not something I want. What's up, Phil? How you doing, man? Glad you're here. (laughs) John says, Tom Brady passed the torch of overlooked quarterbacks uh, who became great to Brock Purdy yesterday. Um, It's special. And so let's go to this conversation. Uh, This this question came to me from Ryan. He said, he asked this question, what is the best case slash worst case for the 49ers this year with Brock Purdy as quarterback. And so, you know, I'm one of those people that just really wants to be in the moment. Um, so this is, it's hard for me, but I understand my job. It's to answer questions. If you look at what I'm not the person that believes Brock Purdy is the second incarnate of, you know, the next great quarterback and whatever else do I want that to happen? Oh my gosh. Yes. I hope Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the next 15 years for the 49ers. Nothing will make me happier. But I also am a person who has watched Brock Purdy play a lot of football for several years. Uh, I'm a Longhorn. I watch almost every Big 12 game there is. Uh, This year kind of slacked a little bit. Uh, But I know how streaky this kid is. And that's a good and bad thing. I wrote in my draft write-up, Howard uh, Cassell, who does great work with the draft, he said the same thing. When he's on... He's on, and we have seen that in back to back games, 30 plus points. He did that when Jimmy went down. We had three points. You remember that against the Dolphins? That dude brought most of those points. He also had the uh Drake Greenlaw return. But when he's on, he's on. There will come a time, and and like, let's just be real here the streak's gonna go the other way. That's what I want to see. How do you respond to those things? Can you win a game after throwing back-to-back turnovers on back-to-back possessions? Can you battle yourself out, right? Um, And so to this question, what's the best case scenario? You look at the passer ratings from the NFL yesterday. Number one in the entire NFL was Brock Purdy. He had a higher rating than any quarterback that played yesterday. Any of them. And some great quarterbacks played. If he can continue that, we've seen it two games in a row. With this defense, it's the best defense. It's the best defense. You know, I was looking at points allowed. I want to make sure I give the the correct numbers here. Here we go. Points allowed by defenses. The 49ers have have given up 197 points. The number two defense is the Bills with 221. That's a 24-point difference between first to second team. 24 points. That same 24-point difference is the same from number two all the way down to number six, right, which would be the the Jets with 243. This team is historically great defensively, and I know the injuries continue to pile up on the inside. It's, it's good. Brock doesn't have to be the best, the highest passer rating quarterback for the 49ers to win. They don't have to. They don't have to. Now, once you get to the playoffs, his streak has to match up against good teams because there's going to come a point where the 49ers are going to get in a duel. And the defense is great, but, yeah, so are great quarterbacks. There's no way you're going to win at all without going to get somebody like Jalen Hurts, somebody like Patrick Mahomes, somebody like Josh Allen, right? Some of those guys. Can the 49ers beat those teams? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Grand, I love it. The D can make you forget a turnover with a stop. You're exactly right. And so, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, and I'll be real. Hoping for good news on Purdy. Purdy's playing, guys. Like, I, I Purdy is playing. It's not even in question. Listen to Brock Purdy. Th- this is freaking Juan Salas. He's, he's a magician. This is two separate clips from Brock Purdy's conversation yesterday. He's talking about two separate hits. The first part of this clip is the first hit where he audibled wrong and just got, like, drilled. Um, then he settled down. Then he's going to talk about the hit that he took on the CMC pass, which is where he got hurt. And it, Juan even put the play in there for you so you could see yeah, it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a hard hit. Um, I, I was in the wrong play, actually. So that was on me. But honestly, it felt good to sort of just get hit and uh, just feel like I was in the game. And I was like, okay. So um, sort of turned out to be a good thing. But honestly, man, like if I needed to play throughout the rest of the game, I definitely would have. So, yeah. Um, going to get some treatment on it and and be ready to roll.
1: I mean, like, (laughs) the kid's tough as hell, man. And so, yeah, he's got to be playing. Kurt says, yeah, how about Purdy taking that headshot right off the rip yesterday? Just say, yeah, that was all on him too. And, you know, Shanahan even, you know, put him out there. And, man, do I have that clip? I think we do. Oh, man, I might have missed it. Yeah, I might have missed it. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I, I think it's in there, but I don't want to play the wrong one. But the the whole idea was this. Like, Purdy could have kept playing. That that injury happened in the second quarter. He came back and played the third quarter, gets replaced in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, you're sore. And if you, you played football and you get one of those injuries, it hurts. And you're like, oh, man, I'm hurt. The next day you wake up, and then it hurts, hurts. You got some time. You're going to get some treatment on it. That dude's going to be out there. Uh, <laughs> Clark, sorry, Brock don't need no band aids. I love it, man. Um, and yeah, you're right, boats. We know more than anybody, a backup is one play away from being the starter. And you know, I-, I thought it was good. Josh Johnson got some reps, you know, the backups got some reps. Danny Gray got his first catch. I thought that was pretty fun. I enjoyed that. Um, and so, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. But uh, right here, uh, the notorious GAV, what's up, man? My Kyle Yuschek fan. He says, "Big play, Dre has been our best linebacker this year by far. There's a competition there. There's no doubt about it. And they're asked. They're two. They're both linebackers. When you talk about Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they have two different roles. Uh, you know, you got Warner who's guarding vertically, deep up the field. You've got Greenlaw who's guarding horizontally, side to side. I know they're both linebackers, but they're completely different. It's a perfect pair. It's a perfect." pair I don't think one's better than the other but I remember whenever I said that you know because of Drake Greenlaw's tackling and physicality if he could just get the pass coverage skills up he, he's he could have a higher ceiling than Fred Warner and I got a lot of flack for that I don't know I feel like it's kind of told the story right um it's kind of where we are and I love it they, they feed off of each other now if we go back to the grades um, Aziz was one, awesome. Greenlaw was two. Charvarius Ward third. Samson Eppicom was four. Tayshon Gibson. Let, let's give this cat credit. He had a 73.3 grade. Um, he was awesome. He just played great. Got that awesome interception where he picked off Brady, which just, I love how upset Brady was. Um, it, it was just, it was awesome. I, I loved every single second about it. Coming home and won that storybook ending and all those things. And, ah, oh, so good. Kevin given six. Oren Burke, seven. Jimmy Ward, we talked a lot about. Eight. Talanoa, nine. Now, I will say this because I think this is important. Excuse me. Talanoa played well. Did he have mistakes? Yes. Yes. Do these mistakes continue to come? Yes. Again, and I said this in the film breakdown with Brock Purdy, you know, Talanoa is young, and he's an instinctual player, which is great. Maybe not great against the GOAT, right? Because there were two to three plays where Talanoa tried to time up his blitz or his change or jumping a route, his robber, whatever else. Tom Brady guessed right every time. He didn't guess. Tom Brady knew. So we're used to seeing Huff be that guy where he could surprise and time things up perfectly, right? And that's where all like the comparisons come out with Palomalu and whatever else. That's cool. Tom Brady got him. And most experienced quarterback to ever play the game, right? And he got him. This is second-year player, Huff. The big touchdown play to Mike Evans. What happened was Huff recognized what was happening and tried to switch coverages late with Jimmy Ward. The problem was he tried to make the switch too late. It wasn't relayed, so Jimmy Ward stayed in the undercoverage when he was trying to tell him, like, back up. It didn't happen. Gets burned for a touchdown. Well, there was a penalty on the play. Completely wiped it off. So the the bright side of that is, one, I hope he learned his lesson. You play it against some veteran quarterbacks. This ain't Tua, right? <laughs> That's not what it is. This ain't Kyler Murray. It is Tom Brady. He's going to get you. You get your hand in that cookie jar, he's going to make you pay for it. After that, I thought he played well. I thought he played really well. Uh, amazing hit. You know, he had the highest tackling grade. Oh, sorry. Uh, Drake Greenlaw had the highest tackling grade. He had the second with an 83.6. Three tackles, um, one solo run stop. He gave up one catch for four yards. And that was that huge hit on Chris Godwin. Whew. It might be Chris Godwin's, like, hardest hit he ever took, man. Um, and so, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think... We know what Hufunga can bring as far as playmaking goes. You just got to eliminate those busted coverages, which we've seen. And I'm a Hufunga guy. I'm wearing my Hufunga jersey to uh, Seattle, uh, Project Hoea. He hooked me up. So that's what I'm going to be wearing. I'm, I'm supporting that dude. But hopefully you learn. Brock Purdy throws an interception. It was a bad read. We got caught with a you know, zone. It was a zone blitz. Fire zone, and the guy dropped the defensive end right into the hook-curl range, picked it off with ease. He never saw it. Now, Juwan Jennings gets held on the side. Questionable call. But whatever, you learn from it. What was the very next play after he threw the interception? Boom, touchdown. Boom, touchdown. Learn from those and then overcome those to be a better player. And so I'm trying to draw parallels Between the safety, who is the captain of the back end of the defense, and the quarterback, who's in charge of the offense, they're young, streaky playmakers. Can they learn these mistakes, which got wiped out because of penalties, both those did, and then respond? I think both of them did, um, you know, against the Bucs, and I'm happy about that. And so, and right here, yeah, Melissa, I love this comment. She says, Thoughts on Purdy to tell Ray Ray stay before the IU touchdown. Yeah, it was it was funny. So he throws the interception, wiped out because of penalty, comes back very next play. Ray Ray motions across. Uh, this is mirrored. Ray Ray motions across and then tries to come back and he tells him, whoa, 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 chill, 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 chill. Stay right there. I want you to stay right there. And that's where the blitzer came from. That's whenever he got hit. It wasn't Ray Ray's fault. He had a release. But the idea was he was able to. Navigate where the pressure was going to come from based on the offensive line rolling to the overloaded side and kept Ray Ray on the backside to give him more time to throw the touchdown. Um, and he took a hit there too. And, you know, I you talked about it uh, on this touchdown. I thought I thought this was funny in and of itself.
4: I know. I, I mean, I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm, I'm running a route. So I'm not sure. Um I, I do. um Brock came up to me and said that he had some pressure in his face that he had to um, he had to deal with some. That's why he said the ball was short. Uh, so I don't know for sure, uh, but
2: pitch and catch touchdown.
1: Pitch and catch touchdown, and that's taking that big hit. I mean, that's a defensive tackle that stunted over. It's it's a lot. <laughs> I like this Dwayne the Brock Johnson. Uh, that's pretty good. I like these. I like these, but. I don't know. I walk away from this game, and again, I've only gone through the offensive film breakdowns. I'm going to try to do the defensive film breakdowns tonight. Man, I just feel i feel really hopeful and energetic about this team, and we haven't felt that way a lot. You really, really haven't. Now, what's the difference between Brock and Jimmy? Not because I want to put Jimmy down, but because why do we feel this way? Why, is it, why did it look so different? I, I think two things. It looked different because one, deep passes are now a viable option. Even though he's got a weak arm, even though you saw, you know, he had to come back for it, two completed 20 yard passes outside the numbers for touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo did that twice his entire career. Brock Purdy did that twice in the second quarter. That's different. Number two, pocket mobility. Now, Brock Purdy's not running around and whatever else. And it Like, there were some passes that were in question. The interception, got lucky with that one and the penalty. There were a lot of lucky plays, but there's no doubt the eye test tells you, holy crap, this is fun. This is fun. Just watching it is fun. Not to say Jimmy wasn't, and that's not what that is at all. I'm just saying this kid has something different. He has something different from Trey. He has something different from Jimmy. Every player is different. This kid just says fun. All over it, and you felt it. The damn crowd was chanting his name. Are you kidding me? Like, when was the last time that happened? And it's, I don't know, man. He he was asked about it, like what it was like hearing his name chanted by the faithful.
2: There might have been some chance, <laughs> but I think today was. Yeah, that was that was wild. To hear the whole stadium saying it like that, so um, man, we got some great fans out here. Man, they they love this team, and um, they're they're right behind us all the way through. So very thankful for them. So,
1: <laughs> oh man, it, it's 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 crazy. Like this, it's you can't make this stuff up. He's the first ever Mister Irrelevant, last player drafted to start a game, not quarterback. First ever Mister, first ever person drafted last. To start a football game. And you go on a tear and score 28 points. You're up 28 nothing against Tom Brady at halftime? Whew. Y'all got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Now, listen to the best player on the field. Listen to the best player on the field right here.
2: We got a quarterback. I, I had a lot of confidence in him, but obviously it's the NFL, and you got to go perform and and each time he scored he waited uh he waited on the sideline like usually they go back and look at the ipad or whatever talk to their coaches he waited for the extra point um and then congratulated all the linemen each time so i mean kid's awesome Uh, i saw the video of his dad crying which was really cool
1: I don't know, man. And again, I I don't want to be a guy that jumps out in hyperbole and all those things. Be in the moment. And Nick, I thank you for the super chat. He says, on Nick Mullins' debut, he threw three touchdowns, 250 yards. It's not the first time we saw this. It's not the first time we've seen this. But this is different. It's a better team than what Nick Mullins had. And Nick Mullins was great off the bench. He always struggled whenever he had a full week of preparation and implementing the game plan. That's when he would fall apart and turn the ball over like crazy. And guess what? Those games will come. Brock Purdy is going to have multiple turnover games just with the way he plays. Can they overcome that? Right? It's still early. This kid's twenty-two years old. Twenty-two years old. He's got a short week against Pete Carroll defense. Man, just run that ball so bad. Um, Yeah, just get there. I freaking love it, man. And this is fun. Like, I I love this because the fan base, we're in this bargaining stage right now, right? There's people that are just like, Brock is the best ever. I love him. This is so awesome. He's going to start forever. And then you've got other people that are just like, whoa, calm down, calm down. Not so fast, not so fast. And it's fine. Wherever you are, just be there, but be open. And the thing that I always want to go back to Enjoy this. This doesn't happen often, even if he is Nick Mullins 2.0, which I don't think he is, and I really don't. How could you ever forget the game that we just had? How do you forget that? How do you forget that? I don't think you do. We're in special territory right now, and even if you're a naysayer, that's okay. Embrace this not that he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. So screw that conversation. I ain't even interested. I want to say he's the most entertaining quarterback right now for the 49ers and I love every freaking second of it. And I'm 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 chomping at the bit, baby, cuz I want to see 13 back out there again. And it it's just so fun. Whenever, you know, I was at the the Dolphins game and I walked out of that stadium and I said to Ricky and the boys, we were hanging out and Jackie, she was there, too. I don't want to leave her out. And I, I said, this was one of the most fun 49er games I've ever been to. Now, was that just because of Brock Purdy? No. But, I like, that's how I felt. Like, I just had fun the whole freaking time. And a lot of that was because of Brock Purdy. And then I yesterday's game, holy cow. I had a smile on my face from the opening drive to the end. The, uh, the Debo injury definitely hurt. But Jordan, he says, man, it was so fun being at the game yesterday. Like, w- eh. It doesn't have to be, you know, this quarterback over that quarterback. It has to be over the quarterback we got right now. And that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Um, Big Papa, he says, uh, speaking of the Dolphins, where's Brian since the Dolphins lost to us? He started a new job. Um, we're going to be recording on Fridays moving on, but. The problem was uh, his new job started Friday, so he, he couldn't do that show. And now I want to be flying this Friday back from Seattle. So Brian is still – we're still in contact. He's not going anywhere. Um, he will be with us for the long haul. He's just as good as they get. It was cool meeting him and his son. Um. And so, like, I love it. I love it. Uh, let's see here. Sorry, John. You and many fans had the game uh, pulled for Hawks. Uh, I'm not sure there what's going on there, but I'm excited about this one. I'm excited. So, anyway, I love it. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Um, and, again, if you want to catch all the breakdowns, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rush Podcast. Check it out. If you sign up, every single offensive play, defensive play, special teams play, broken down for you, helping you to explain. And if you're one of those people on the fence, guess what? Come try it out. You don't like it. Just message me. Refund your money 100%. No questions asked. You don't have to explain, John. Sorry, not for me. Nope, just say, hey, John, I want a refund. I got you. Um, Go check it out. I believe in the community. I believe in the product. And we've got 400 people over there that agree that it's a good product. So go check it out. Support the show. And stay for the content. So thank you, guys. And until next time, oh, so excited. Such a short week. I hate it because I want to embrace this. But that's all right. we got a lot of content coming your way. I'll be flying out tomorrow. I'm going to try to do an early show tomorrow before I go to the airport. Uh, So I will be going live early tomorrow. Um, And until then, see you then, guys. Stay strong faithful.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.